Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for, for being here this, uh, this Easter Sunday. Uh, I'll say again, maybe you've been told already, like if there's a seat next to you and you could move over, uh, that would be great to help out a couple folks who might still be standing. Um, so we're going to be reading this morning out of Romans 6, 15 through 19. That's Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 19. There is a Bible in the seat in front of you if you'd like to follow along on page 943 or on your mobile device or however you'd like to read along. My name is BJ Rector, and I am the community minister here at the Door Church. Uh, my wife, uh, Karen, and my three children, Eleanor Tripp and Dorothy Grace, have been members here at the church since uh, the day we started, and we've served in different uh, roles and, and groups and, and kids and such, and uh, we've loved uh, every minute of being pastored by um, Scott in these last however many years. Um, so again, today's uh, text is Romans six fifteen through 19. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness." leading to sanctification. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, BJ. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor. I'm on the preaching team. Super grateful that you're here uh, this Easter Sunday, just worshiping uh, the resurrected Christ. Uh, so uh, good news, bad news. Uh, I'll start with bad news. Bad news, if you're standing, that's just, we ran out of seats, so I'm so sorry. The good news, it's a shorter sermon. So that's, yay, yay for shorter sermons, more worship. So people will join uh, standing here in a second, but I apologize that we ran out of seats. Uh, so we are in our Justified series. Um, that's Romans. So we've been in the book of Romans. We're just kind of going verse by verse, going through each chapter. We're in chapter six, as, as BJ just read. And so what's interesting is if you uh, normally come to Easter, what you probably find is a few texts about the resurrection. And those are super important, and we love those texts. But we're going to stay in the book of Romans because what's interesting, if you don't know, the entire Bible is about Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, really the, the certainty of resurrection. And so this text actually um, helps us understand the resurrected life. So a lot of people look at, they look at the, the resurrection as information. Yes, Jesus, he came, the God man, he lived, he died and he rose again. And then, then we go on with our lives. Now, what the, Romans 6 has us do, it has us focus on the resurrection and the power of the resurrection. How do we live this resurrected life? And so uh, it's really a beautiful text. Now, 
the way that I want to start and just saying how this applies to everyone is um, if you're coming in right now, I, I, I know a few things is that you're probably, you're probably busy. Like, so uh, I, I'm, I, I feel busy. And what I mean by that is like, I got a lot going on and I'm not like trying to brag. It's just like, I feel like I got a lot of balls in the air. My, my kids are in one place. You know, I'm trying to shepherd uh, the door church the best I can. And then you got friendships, you got finance. I mean, just like, there's a lot uh, that, that is just, I'm just trying to keep in the air. Uh, and, and, and if you're alive, uh, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say, you're probably busy. Like you have a lot going on in your life. And what's interesting, depending on my, my, my viewpoint of Christ, I, I feel very confident, secure, restful, joyful. And if my eyes aren't on Christ, like something has taken the position of, of, of God in my life. That's not, not Jesus. I feel anxious. I feel um, not restful. I, I feel, you know, extreme anxiety. I feel like everything's out of control. If I'm just looking at my life, and so if you're coming in here, I think a lot of people, you may be feeling this way, that everything, you're just trying to hold it together and you're very fragile. Um, some of you may feel like you're spiraling out of control, maybe a dead spin in your life. And what, I, what, what, I, what I'm not saying here is that con, that's contingent on your circumstance. Like, so if you're successful, a lot of people think it's like, oh, well, then you're not, that, that you're fulfilled, that you're restful, that you're good. Actually, some of the people that are most successful, like your bank account's full, your family looks great, you have a big house, you're achieving really well, you're the most anxious, you're the most fearful. You're like, I, I don't know if I can hold this together for another month, let, let alone another day. And you're just emotionally spent. Um, and there's other people that are lacking in a lot of different ways circumstantially. And you feel just like, man, everything is, 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 is futile and fragile. Now, what's, this text helps us really grip, grip our vantage points of who we're living for. What's, what's the center point of our life? And so I'm going to look at verse 19 because uh, I think everyone resonates with this, um, this, this problem of just feeling overwhelmed and anxious. Uh, verse uh, 19 says... Uh, says this. It says, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness. So what he just said was, um, if you are uh, having these symptoms of feeling anxious, out of control, lacking, not content, no joy, right? It's a good, good chance your eyes aren't on Christ, but you're living uh, in sin. And we're going to define that here in a second, but you're living in impurity and lawlessness. So this impurity is this like this godlessness. You're not building your life as we just saying on God and who he is and his character, trusting him, but you are trying to act as God living in lawlessness, which actually produces more lawlessness, more anxiety, more anxiousness, more lacking, more uncontentment. So what's, what's so interesting, a lot of us don't even understand um, what, what godlessness looks like. So we even think we're coming from a good spot. We're like, I'm just doing the best I can. Like, I'm just following my own heart. Like, I'm just, I, 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 I'm, you know, it's all about who you are. And so it's, it's this me-centered, like, here, here's what I'm trying to do. And it's this lawlessness because you're not following and submitting to who God is and what he says, which leads to this, this, this lacking, this, this fruitlessness, this, what it says is more lawlessness. It's a, there's a compounding effect here. When you're, when you're living for self, which is sin, 
There's a compounding effect that you're going to be more sinful, more out of control, even though you're trying to grasp more. And so this is what it's speaking to this morning. How do we not live in our sin nature, in ourself, which just leads to lawlessness and, and, and great fr- fragility? And how do we live more by the Spirit of God and the secureness uh, of Christ? So we'll pick up in verse 15. It says, what then? So what's interesting, Paul is writing the Roman church and he's gonna pose a question that a lot of people in the church are considering. And it's probably, you're coming this morning, probably considering this very same thing because you're in a church and this is probably what you think the gospel is about. And he addresses this issue very clearly. What then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And he says, by no means. So a lot of people think Christianity is this, is that you are a sinner. And I'd, I'd agree with that. We just know perfect people. And because of Jesus, he, he died in your stead that you can be forgiven. And you think that's it. So you're now, now it's like, I said a prayer, I'm forgiven, and I can do what I want. That, and he says, by no means, this is not the gospel of grace. Yes, the gospel meets you where you're at, which is stuck in sin. You are dead, but it, it, it makes you alive. It saves you from sin. Now listen, to God. So if you just view the cross as information that you mentally assent that doesn't transform you, you're missing out on what grace is. It's not a get out of jail free card. It's like, don't worry, I sin, I got, I got the card. If that's how you view it, you don't understand grace. It's by no means. See, a lot of us treat the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I say the gospel, the good news, the life, death, burial, resurrection is this information. It's a transaction and I can go do what I want. That is not, <laughs> that's not the gospel. The gospel is about the grace of God. He meets you. He meets you when you're dead in your sin. He makes you alive. He makes you alive into a transform, trans, trans, transforming relationship with him. You can have a relationship with your creator through the son, by the spirit, and it changes you from the inside out. This is grace. When grace meets you, it makes you alive and changes you. And he's talking about what this resurrected life does as we look to the resurrected Christ. So we don't just come and say a prayer and go do what he want. See, a lot of us think, again, the gospel is what it saves us from, and there is forgiveness of sin, but we're missing out what it saves us to, which is a a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it moves on to answer this question, by no means. Then it's verse 16, it says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom, whom you obey, uh, either, either of sin, which leads to death. So sin, trajectory of death. This is that spiral out of control. So th- that's that dead spin, this, this sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness or life, life with God. Now, what I want to talk about is what is sin? Because we, we, if you grew up in church, or if you didn't, we do not understand what sin is. Most of us think it's bad behavior. God's mad at my bad behavior. And I would say, well, yes, maybe, right? But that's not the root issue of sin. That's not, not, not the main deal. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. But the root issue of sin, the root issue, not, not, not the behavior, the symptom, that's behavior. The root issue is self-centeredness. It's a me-centered life. It's anytime you start with I, this is what I want. This is what I'm doing. 
This is the nature of sin. So yes, we do sin in our behavior, but first and foremost, we sin in our heart that we think, here, we think our life is about us. And so we don't worship the creator and, and, and use his gifts to glorify him and bless people. We have a, 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 um, tra- a transgressed heart, which means that we're bent in our, on ourselves and we're blind to God and we have a deep love for self. Now, what I don't really, the, the, where we're searching for life is wrong, but the spiritual issue is real. We were made, here, we we're made for life. We were made to find significance. We were made to find joy. It's the problem where we're looking for it. The sin nature is I'm going to be about me and not looking to God, who's our creator, but you know where we look? To his creation. So we try to drink deeply from the creation, not God, to find life, love, significance. This is the main problem. The root issue of sin is we're not looking to God, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're looking to creation to try to find life. Now, you can make is anything and anyone an idol. It actually says in uh, verse uh, 17 this, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're uh, you are slaves to that one whom you obey. So that anyone can be anyone or anything. So that our, our me-centeredness, our selfishness can be found in trying to find life, meaning, and hope, and significance in anything under the sun. That's like Ecclesiastes, like anything under the sun you can look to as an idol or another word to put it, to try, try, to, try to make your God, to try to find life and significance. Now, I wish we could play a game right now. To, to say how we all sin differently, how we try to find meaning in life apart from God. So if we did a game like, what can we make uh, an idol or a God thing in our life? Uh, and, and we got to have like someone raise their hand. Someone would be like, well, can you make, can you make your job an idol? I'd be like, yes, you can try to find life and meaning in your job. That you, you can have an unhealthy view of your job will, that won't satisfy. Can you make your spouse an idol? Absolutely. You can make anything an idol. You can make you make your kids an idol. You can make your parents and their approval an idol. You can make any hobby an idol. You can make travel an idol. You can make, you can make how big your house is or second home or your social media and your status. You can make it. So anything under the sun that God created, you can turn into a God thing. And that's the sin. We're going to try to find life, not in who God is, but what he created. And, and the point of that is it's going to lead to death, but we'll get there uh, here in a second. What's so interesting, we all do it. We're all, by nature, me-centered. That, we come out that way. We're like, we're about me. We're supposed to be about God. That's the nature of sin. And we try to use God's creation. We're glory-hungry thieves and try to build our kingdom. We do it. Everyone does it. Now, we all do it differently. And we even feel self-righteous about it. It's so interesting. If you take, like, you know, the power-hungry uh, successful entrepreneurs. Like, man, look at my business. Look how much I've grown this business. Look how much money I have. Look what I can buy. You know, it's so interesting because you're talking to someone about how great you are. They're always going to find you boring. But we're trying to say, no, look, look, I'm worthy. Look how great I am. And everyone else will be like, that's a yawn. But now some people are going to try to find it in their kids. Like, look how amazing my kids are. It's like, they're awesome, but I also have three. They're okay, but I got three. And they're like, no, 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 they're amazing. They went undefeated in their tournament. Like, and everyone's like, I, I just don't really care, right? And so everyone, where they're trying to build their life, is actually just, man, they're bored by you. And it's 
frustrating to you. It's like, look how great I am. And this is that sin nature. We're trying to find life apart from God in God's stuff. Now, what's, as we do this, in verse 16, it talks about you present yourself to stuff, uh, these things. You're like giving yourself over to your job or to your spouse or to your kids or to your significance in the social world. Like you're just, it says, it says you present yourself to it. Or another way, it says you obey it. It's your master. Now, what's interesting, it says that we are meant to praise but as we praise these things, as we praise these lifeless things, you will actually become like them. It says this in Psalm 135, 15 through 18. It says, the idols of the nations are silver and gold. So what it says is the work of human hands. It could be anything or anyone that's not God that we're building our life on. It says, they have mouths, these idols. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Listen, those who make them, those who make them, where you pursue these idols, what you become like them, so do all who trust in them. It says what you worship, you become. What you belong to becomes you. And when it says that idolatry is gonna leave you deaf, mute, blind, and dumb. Why? Because there is no life in God's creation. There's only life in the creator. Now, some of you don't believe me. And you're not going to come to Christ this morning because you're going to drink deeply of this world. You know what you're going to do? You're going to be found lacking. You're going to be found thirsty. It's the whole point of Ecclesiastes. I've tried everything under the sun. It's like chasing the wind. You're going to be a great achiever. What you're going to find is nothing there. It's all meaningless. And what you're going to find is you'll become, you'll become lifeless like the things that you're chasing. It's saying what you worship is actually what shapes you. Now, if you're like, what is my idol? All you have to do is follow your money. Follow it. You're like, I don't know what my idol is. Go look at your money. Where does your money go? You'll find your idol. Where does your time go? You'll find your idol. Where, where, where does your affection go? You'll find your idol. That idol is promising life. And what this thing is telling you, it's actually producing death. It's such a gift of God that God says you're pursuing life but you're pursuing it in the wrong places and it's gonna to lead to your death. See, we, it, all idols, they promise, they promise to give you something, but listen, it only takes. It never gives, it never satisfies. You are mastered by something or someone and if it's an idol, it is absolutely going to produce death. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says it this way, there's a way that seems right to man. Like you think, oh, this is gonna work. This is going to work. I know it. I'll be fulfilled. I just have whatever. It's way it's death. That's the outcome. Your sin nature, our selfishness, trying to find life produces death. Now, you're like, well, that's, that's super sad. It is. And the good news, look at verse 17. But thanks be to God. See, this is why we gather. God doesn't leave us stuck in our sin and our selfishness. It's not about you. It's about me. But thanks be to God, we all need intervention in our life. And verse 17 teaches us two things, two things that lead to life. It says this in verse 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from their heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Now there's a lot there. What it says is you once were slaves. So he's talking to the Roman church like you were sinners. You were selfish. You were all about you, but Christ intervened. 
You had an aha moment that you were living for yourself. You're trying to find life, but all you, you had a moment where the Spirit of God made Christ alive to you. And it's like everything changed in your life. It says you were this. Now, some of you, if you're not in Christ, you're still living for the world, trying to find life. You're still stuck in your sin. You're still in darkness. And I'm praying this morning that you would have an aha moment. Now, where does, what, where does the lights turn on in the sense of like you made alive to God? It comes, it comes in Christ. And it talks about here in this standard of teaching. See, what I just told you uh, in the first part of the sermon is the bad news is you. It's you and I, that we are in rebellion towards God, a righteous, holy, hear me, good, good father. And we say, no, we're gonna, we don't want you, God. We want your stuff. We all do it differently. See, that's the bad news. We live for ourselves. The good news is that in Christmas and in Easter and Christmas is God became man, Emmanuel, and he, he, and he dwelt among us. And then and he lived, Jesus lived this perfect life where we disobeyed. He completely honored God. He obeyed God. He worshiped God. And then he died a sinner's death. And he bore our sin, not in part, but in full on the cross. All of our selfishness, all of our idolatry, he bore on the cross, paid in full, absorbed the wrath of God. He, he died the death that we deserve. He went into that tomb for three days and he rose again. He says, victory's mine, life is mine for these sinners and I'm gonna make them sons. These friends or these foes are now my friends and they're my family. Why? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life and no one is gonna come to the Father except through me. And if you believe that, if you confess in your mouth, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. But God intervenes. That's the good news. Have you experienced the grace that I'm talking about? You don't deserve God's love, but he loves you anyway. You are dead in your sin, but God makes you alive in Christ. It says in Romans 5, 8, this is when he loves you. But God shows his love for you, and that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. So the idea is like, you've never come to Christ. I'm saying this rightly, hear me. You've never come to Christ unless, unless you understand that you are dead in your sin. There's nothing good in you. It actually says in Romans that you are worthless. The only reason that you're worth anything is because of Christ. That's the gospel. It's not like, ah, oh, he loves you because you're kind of good. He loves you at your worst. He loves you because of Jesus. And when you understand that, it will change your heart. It will change your life. See, it's why we're so Christ, uh, why we're so sinners. Christ died for us. He lavished us with His love, and it says it, this is this is obedience from the heart. In Acts two, it says, "Have you been cut to the heart?" This is transformation that the Spirit of God gives us. Have you been gripped by the grace of God that He loves you, a wretch like you? Amazing grace. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that God would die for you, a sinner. And as he did that, he makes you a son. A lot of people think uh, Christianity is like, I'm gonna take up Christianity. No, 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 no. You don't take up Christianity. Man, Christ takes you up. You're being possessed by God, by the spirit of God. That's Christianity. And when you're made alive in Jesus Christ, what's so amazing, what's so amazing, he, he gives you life. See, eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts when you meet Jesus. Eternal life starts when you meet Jesus. That's what it says in scripture, that you know God because you know the son. And what happens is if sin, which it is, is you being all about you, 
What's the good news? Well, life is all about Jesus, and that's the best news for you. And when you understand who Jesus is, man, he'll take the lordship of your life, the centerpiece of your life, and the way that you got into this mess is that you're worshiping creation. The way that you get out of this mess is by worship, worshiping King Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things, the author and perfecter of faith. You worship him. Listen, you worship him. You become like him. The way, the way that you find life is one that, that has life in his hands. We're going to sing here in a little bit that, that how good God is, and he is good. He is so good. And when you, when you praise the character and nature of God as we see in Christ, you start to trust him, you start to surrender to him. See, the mode that we, we got in this mess is we worship anything and everything besides God. This morning we come and we're gonna worship King Jesus. And as we worship King Jesus, you will become like him. This is the prescription. This is the antidote. It's not a one-time prayer. It's like, behold the glory of Christ. Come feast on the resurrection that is yours to be had. Live a different life saying he is my king. Listen to what it says in, in verse 16. Do you not know that if you present your, yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either sin, which is going to lead to death, or obedience, which leads to what? Righteousness. If you obey, if you worship, and furthermore, in, in, in verse uh, 19, it says, as you present your members as slaves to righteousness, you're presenting your life to Jesus as king, not you. You know what's going to happen? You're going to start to find life. See, everything I just described is lawlessness. You trying to be God is, I mean, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be fearful. You're going to be out of control. You're going to lack self-control. But if you worship King Jesus, you'll be found full of the spirit of God, which leads what? To, to love, to joy, to peace, to patience, kindness. This is why we worship. This is what the fruit of it is. We get Christ. So instead of spiraling out of control, Jesus is going to spiral us into the resurrected life as we worship him in spirit and truth. As we, as we hold to the standard of teaching, what it tells us to do, as we hold to the standard of teaching, what we're gonna look is how much God gave for us as sinners. And as you behold how much God gave for you, you know what happened? You'll start, you'll start to worship him. You'll start to obey him. It says that, 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 that God, God, if he gave his son, will he not give me all things? You'll say, man, I want you to have all of my life. See, what's interesting, even Paul teaches us here as he's talking about sin uh, in, in, in verse 17, but thanks be to God. He tells us the antidote, but thanks be to God. He doesn't leave us in our sin about ourselves, but thanks be to Jesus. Get your eyes on Christ, the resurrection, the hope, the redemption, the healing. That even Jesus said himself, there'll become a time we will worship in spirit and truth. This is how we become more like Christ as we worship him, we treasure him, we're shaped by him. Instead of becoming deaf, dumb, and, 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 and mute, we become alive because Jesus is alive. See, we praise him. We praise, listen, we praise him because he died in our stead. You know what that means? I don't know what you've done. You do. God does, and some people do. It's paid in full by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's not yours to carry. Paid in full. You can lay that burden down. Even your future sin, it's paid in full. You can walk in the forgiveness of God. We should praise him. You will never, God will never deal harshly with you ever. No condemnation, why? Because Jesus paid in full. We should praise him because right now he's restoring all things in your life. 
all things, every circumstance is under his control. And it says in scripture that he's working all things together for good for those who love him. We should praise him name. King Jesus is ruling and reigning right now. He's worthy of our trust. We should praise him right now because you will die, but you will rise again if you're in Christ. You know, it brought me to tears this morning thinking about resurrection as whole. We were just, I was praising Jesus on the radio and saw the sunrise and just thanking God for resurrection. You know, you're going to have loved ones die. If they're in Christ, it'll be a reunion of love. You know how ministering that is? I talked to a man who lost his wife in the first gathering. She's in Christ like, aren't you glad for resurrection today? And he said, amen. There is life in Christ and that's ours to partake in. See, Right now, we're, we're going to have an extended time of worshiping Jesus as king. He defeated sin, Satan, and death. And he's worthy of all of your time, all of your affection, and all of your life. You know what he's going to do as you worship in spirit and truth? He'll bring you life. See, what's interesting, the way that you replace idolatry is not quitting something. It's by worshiping something else, which is Jesus. A lot of us combat the idolatries that have gripped us and enslaved us is killing us by singing and praising King Jesus. That's how you, this is how that works. And right now, I know some of you are like, we're gonna have an extended time of worship. You're gonna leave. And I'm gonna say, you need to stay. And, if, and some of you that don't raise your hands, you know what you need to do? You need to raise your hands. And some of you are gonna have your mouth shut. You need to do by the spirit of God. Open your mouth and praise his name. You need to praise his name. That's an act of faith saying, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take you at your word. I need you. When you sing, allow it to change you. Allow it to change you from the inside out. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us respond in faith to the glorious news of the gospel. We all want life. We're searching in anything and everything. Help us have the, the honesty to say that just, it, it doesn't satisfy. Help us come before your throne room this morning, King Jesus, say, you're, you're where life is found. Forgiveness is found. Hope is found. Healing's found. Help us dethrone the idols that grip our life that are killing us. Help us stand in your presence and in your presence we'll be made whole. I pray that some people would try Jesus for the first time this morning by faith. We've tried a lot of other things in our life that don't, don't work, that don't fulfill, that don't bring peace. Jesus fulfills. He brings peace. He, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. Help us take you at your word. I ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.